Hello, my name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and this is Imp's WWE Adventures podcast on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Your quick look back at the WWE week that was. What a week it was in terms of building up to the Royal Rumble through Christmas. We got our special Christmas shows flying in, all the special graphics and everything, which is nice to see. I still reel from the Vince era where specials didn't feel like specials, and last week we got the tribute to the troops, felt like a special show. This week we got the Monday Night Raw with all the Christmas trees and everything, so it felt all festive (laughs) <laughs> and everything. We're going to get through those shows. I'll talk about Smackdown from last week and One Night Raw and NXT. A much more standard show as we kind of wind down for Christmas. I mean, there's a few funny bits. There's still returns that happen. There's still a building up the big matches. Uh, WWE still feels like, even if it's not much watched TV every week, it still feels like it's competently building to that next thing or it's setting up characters to feel important so that when you look at the Royal Rumble, it's just this sense of there's so many characters, even though it's like one or two winners. There's loads of characters to make it interesting. I feel like if I'm going to round off 2023, then really for me it is the fact that WWE are continuing to be competent. (laughs) It's nice to see. And every week on this show I'm still comparing it to the Vincisms of the recent past. Well, as he gets less and less recent, it's just going to get to a point where I'm just comparing them against themselves. Because I still think it's a bit... There's no need to compare against AEW really, because they're both aiming for separate audiences. So with WWE when I talk and analyse it, I don't really compare it against AEW that much. I I still do because it's both wrestling. But I definitely more compare it to the Vince era. It's the improvement over themselves rather than the us versus them competition because, like, who cares? <laughs> Get over it. <laughs> yeah, the online fandom... Uh that happened with AW was launched was the most predictable and I just don't get it. <laughs> don't get it. Get over yourselves. <laughs> it's not important. Anyway, I'm going to jump over now immediately and it's one of the longer intros I've done. This week as well as loads of notes as well so we'll see how it goes. A less improvised week <laughs> where normally it's just like a few bullet points of what I felt at the time. This time it's like there was generally a lot being set up so I've got stuff that I've generally just got to remember <laughs> talk about which is good to say. Like we're in December and for me that's my kind of takeaway for when I look at my notes is yeah, I've got all of my different notes and things all the shows but the fact I'm making so many notes they're not doing some uh, just random stuff to pass the time we're not going to get Alberto Del Rio running over Santa like none of that stuff <laughs> anyway let's jump straight into it let's go into Friday Night Smackdown Smackers live last Friday. Roman meets Randy. Uh, we've got a Pokemon evolving, a Poke Wrestler evolving. <laughs> we've got an NXT uh, debut, and we've got the US Championship tournament too, uh, with a little bit more building of damage control. And that's kind of what I mean. Like these are like the main points of SmackDown, uh, which we're building through at the moment. But they're progressively advancing them each week. It so far has not felt like we've had like something happens on one week, and then the next week it slows down for us to digest and then reset. It's like no. Each week there's been big things to talk about. It's a really smart pace to just keep you invested. And obviously a great sign of that is that that convinces me they're able to pace this this well with the way that they're revealing the next steps. That tells me that they know where they're going. They just haven't informed the audience yet because they're still presenting the pieces being set up for what's going to come. But when you're presenting it and advancing your story at this kind of pace this competently, yeah, you are convincing me that you are taking this somewhere. And a part of what I'm talking about is the segment with Roman Reigns meeting Randy Orton and that feeding into the main event. A pretty paint-by-numbers promo at this point of Roman Reigns meeting a contender. 
Like, there wasn't really anything that special about it. Roman Reigns said in that statement of, what, well, Wendy Orton, you've been out for absolutely ages. You come back and immediately telling us that you're going to be the contender? That's not how this works. So setting up Randall, earning his shot, almost MJF style, having to go through all these hoops to become the one contender, which led to the main event of Randy Orton versus Jimmy, a perfectly fine main event, setting up the clobbering of characters finished to end the show. Solo distraction attempt after Jimmy, earlier in the show, voiced his worries about this being a setup quickly stopped after LA Knight stopped Sokoa from walking down and that was after earlier as well Knight was asked by Randy Orton to stay back and Knight was like trust me uh, like, I'll, I'm gonna, I say I'm gonna do it but you're gonna need me and he was 100% correct and uh, LA Knight himself then got clobbered by Roman <laughs> after Randy used the Knight solo distraction to RKO Jimmy and that's probably the least the most convoluted I've written a string of events and <laughs> it's constantly jumping back <laughs> what is this a, no a Christopher Nolan movie <laughs> what is this constantly jumping and flowing in between leading in to Roman getting the numbers on Orton the bloodline walloping on Randy and Knight as they get the upper hand and in terms of, like the pacing of a show it's like, okay, they've shown Knight and Orton coming together it, it, when they weren't really together earlier. Like, they'd aligned and got a win, but they weren't together. Whilst this showed here, there was a need to actually stay compact as a unit. There is a need to do so. And he felt like, okay, this actually, an arc has been achieved here. It's absolutely fine. Which is why it's a perfect sudden when suddenly your Pokemon is evolving. AJ Styles evolved into... Beefsteak, Uncle Alan. <laughs> As he springboard with the with the uh, top rope bending and bowing, the most it's ever done for AJ Styles. As Beefsteak launches off the top with the phenomenal forearm, <laughs> clobbering into the bloodline. AJ Styles returns, and again, that feels like oh, that's our nice little end. A nice little end. This is SmackDown. They're leaving us with the vibe that they're completely revamping its main event scene around Roman, like a much needed revamp, giving it much needed new life which I know is a tad funny when I'm talking about a ring full of 40-year-old men in LA Knight, Randy Orton and AJ Styles, but new life has been injected around Roman Reigns in matches that we haven't seen during this title reign. Then AJ Styles turns on the good guys and walks away, <laughs> leaving us with the, well, I've got no idea what this is setting up. After previously getting us excited because they'd set up a three versus three there in Roman, Solo, Jimmy, Knight, Orton, AJ, AJ turns, suddenly we're back to the same numbers game we were before, but who knows what AJ Styles' alignment is, because he did also attack the Bloodline. So he's not aligned with them, and he's not aligned with the good guys. Is he going for like a tweener thing? Like like his final run in TNA. <laughs> that weird tweener stuff. It's perfectly fine on a show where they've given me confidence all over the place that they know where they're going. It's then perfectly fine to inject a character with that, with that, like giving you like nothing. As in, it's just the surprise of him turning in, turning heel, like a la what the what the Vince would do. It's like, oh, what a moment! But because there's all these other pieces around this one situation, which really does feel like there's a structure there, there's a place they're going to. There is already a building here. It's perfectly fine for someone just to go, ah, surprise. <laughs> we say we say yourselves are done. Like that's perfectly fine when the rest of the rest of the house is built. Like that's absolutely fine. And that's what that's was. And so we'll say, also, oh, beef, beef steak, he's a, he's a oh, he put up some muscle. <laughs> so people making the jokes that TKO group are not doing the same level of testing. That's <laughs> in the past, like, oh, he's a big, beefy boy. Oh, a big, 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 beefy AJ. Yeah, he's still, he, when he did his pain kick and stuff, was like, he's still AJ. <laughs> he's just built as hell, which is a little, obviously a little bit heavy because he's put on so much muscle. Beefy, beef steak Uncle Alan is here <laughs> and he's going to be champion. 
Uh, I mean, he's not, because Cody's here, but <laughs> you, never, you never know. Anyway, on to the rest of the show. Uh, Kamalo Hayes, was this was also his SmackDown debut in the US title tournament, smartly paired with his former familiar NXT opponent in Grayson Waller. His nothing-but-net-top-rope leg drop got a great reaction. Other than that, your pretty standard WWE heel-works-over-the-good-guy style of match. Like, really slowing it down, stompy-stomp in the corner, little flashes of action. Like, nothing that crazy, just your standard TV match. The most standard of standard TV matches that, like, whatever. <laughs> it did its job. It introduced Carmelo, and the crowd responded really well to his finisher. Other US title match was Kevin Owens versus Austin Theory. A decent bout. This one, they obviously, the bit more experience, they really got to uh, showcase a lot more. After Theory zoned in on KO's injured hand, KO just clobbered the lad with the solid cast for the win. Like, he, he, was, he was going for the honest fight, and then Theory started fighting dirty, and KO just went, oh, sod it. <laughs> just clobbered him and won. <laughs> End of. Uh, Michael Cole is trying to defend the baby face. Like, it's perfectly fine. It's perfectly. I love that in wrestling when, depending on who uses the cast, whether it's a good guy or the bad guy, the commentary will completely flip on the morality of it, just on a dime. <laughs> uh, also, uh, damage control continuing to get attention, building up the reuniting of the Kabuki Warriors, and they faced uh, Zelina Vega and Mia Yim, who tried to jump them, but the numbers of damage control quickly sorted that out. And then we flowed into the main event. Like, overall, this was a building kind of show. Like, there's a reason that I was able to just absolutely flash through the US title tournament matches and damage control stuff where this was a much more low-key week. Like, with damage control, you had Bailey cutting a promo, you had the promo for the Kabuki Warriors, then he went straight into the match. The middle of the show was feeding off of, off of what had previously happened and just building it up for what's to come next, just giving you that confidence that this is all going somewhere. It's all feeding to something. Uh, let's, move, let's, let's jump over after applauding SmackDown and WWE. Let's not stop there. It's Christmas time. It's, a holiday, it's the happy holidays uh, season. Let's jump over to Monday Night Raw. Miz now up to the second rope. Is he going to really try to do this? He is looking for a skull-crushing finale from the second rope. Cover him, Miz. It's your turn right now. The champ is down. Miz and Gunther rolling away and out of harm's way. But I like more. The happy holiday edition with trees and shit live from Idaho. The most Christmassy place in America? <laughs> Let's go with it. <laughs> and my God, I'm going to compliment the Miz. <laughs> my number one topic. Because yes, it was a tag team title match in the main event. There was Seth and Drew McIntyre with their promo, bouncing off of the Seth and CM Punk stuff from last week really well. But my main thing to talk about is five-star match, best bout machine, The Miz, <laughs> versus Gunter, versus indie flippy shit Gunter. Oh, from the indie scene, what, where, where, like where the Young Bucks were from, Gunter. Best bout machine, Walter, strikes again, and again, and again. Poor red chest Mike. The Austrian chopping the ring post, giving Miz an injured arm shot off Hope to target, and that was your way in for the Miz. Because uh, Walter is really, really good at convincing you that he's actually going to lose about here. And about five seconds later, you're like, oh yeah, you, yeah, that was nonsense. What am I talking about? <laughs> but he can convince you for that split second. It's something Okada's really good at as well. Where, when, where whenever he's a champion, he's really good in his matches. At, you are watching them for like 20, 25 minutes, convinced he's never going to lose. But for like three seconds... He can get you. <laughs> Out of that half an hour match, where for the first 15 minutes, nothing happens. <laughs> in the classic Okada New Japan main event, there are about three, three to five seconds in those matches where you suddenly believe, and then immediately afterwards you're like, 
Of course he was never going <laughs> to lose. <laughs> of course not. The Gunter character has absolutely nailed that here with this icy title run. With the injured arm, though, that is your spot. Like, there's just enough oomph taken out of his offence with that injury to his arm, which then feeds into everything as the match progresses. Like, just enough oomph taken out of Gunter's offence for Mr. Kick out. Just enough taken out for the crab, uh, crab lock to not be quite locked in as sturdy as usual so Miz can get to the ropes. Uh, the crowd really buying into the school-crushing finale uh, finisher being hit after Miz kicked away one of his chops. It's like it all fed into everything. It's like, oh, where's that psych... Where, where did I put that psychology book? <laughs> I say to push up my glasses. Uh, just to feed to that even more. Now, a lovely bit of match story is Gunter eventually accepts the pain and just clobbers a charging Miz with a lariat via his injured arm. Just finally accepts the pain and just clobbers him down. But that means he's slow climbing to the top for his big splash. Puts it up glasses. Where's I put that psychology book? Uh, the school crushing finale then from the second rope, fully getting the Christmas crowd of our idler to spring to their feet. Like the Christmas community they are. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, but that meant there was a live crowd springing to their feet for a Miz match. <laughs> Only for a great secondary reaction as Walter just rolls outwards to the, to the ring to avoid a cover. Like the crowd were going absolutely crazy once that school question finale was hit and then he just rolled away. And I'm just watching this like, oh, oh Gunter, this, Gunter's the man. <laughs> like this character really works. And I feel like I'm at that point now where I can distinguish the two characters it feels like, in ring-wise, they're they're identical. Like Gunter and Walter are doing the same things that they were like Walter was doing on the Indies. When there's the the comments on social media of calling the indie scene just this place where people are doing all this flippy shit and stuff, and I'm and I'm stood there watching Walter versus Keith Lee, <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, you're yeah, calling the indie scene flippy stuff is that just outs you as not watching it because I'm watching these two. Big beefy boys <laughs> chopped their living hell of each other, and it was glorious. Oh, PWG of that era is something special. <laughs> you got those guys, and you got Zack Sabre Jr. for in there as well, running Riot. Like, oh, that's that's an era I love <laughs> of the indie scene. I got really into the indie scene about 2018, or 17, 18, I want to say. Like over here in the UK as well, I got really into it, and a part a lot of. I mean, that's what fed into AEW. It's just that there was just that. WWE were not giving you that great a content. Like, that's the era of them apologising on live TV and saying they're going to change. But it was just another quick fix that wasn't really anything. It was one of Vince's many quick fixes that had no future plans really thinking about. It was just a sudden quick fix, often after an investor call. Like, it was just a sudden reaction to one of those calls. And it was like, oh, this would be a quick fix to uh, make everything fine. But you went to the indie scene and you just watched great wrestling. And that's what fed into AEW. That style went into AEW. And within there, was Gunter. <laughs> well, what Gunter is now, is the same in-ring stuff. But I feel like the character is the character is different from the indie scene to what he is here in uh, Monday Night Raw with AEW. It feels like he's shifted a lot more into, I guess if you're lean, leaning into the heel side of it, there's a lot more into the bully kind of role, which was always more hinted at with the ring camp stuff. Uh, because he was like that ring general, so when you say bullying, it's more of, of the general bullying, uh, kind of commanding those under him. Rather, this is more he's bullying his opponents. He was always respectful about what was taking place in the ring and if he was talking somebody down in the, in the ring camp era, it was more because they were disrespecting what he held sacred. Whilst there's, a, there's still that in his character here, but he outwardly bullies people now. <laughs> As in, he's like he's someone who's just oozing with so much confidence he can legit just bully somebody and, and then back it up. It just... 
Uh, I feel like it's an edge to this character that really works. But that also means when he goes to that final flow of the Miz hits this and for a few seconds he has you convinced. And then he, but when Gunter rolls to the outside and takes advantage, he suddenly then when he roll back into the ring just power bombs the living hell out of you. <laughs> and that's the end of it. It's like, and then you're like, oh, of course, Gunter was always going to win. But when he hit that school crushing finale, Ida was stuck to the, they stepped to their feet. <laughs> they were so excited. Uh, they really enjoyed themselves. Uh, but the Miz put in a really good performance here against Walter. Like, I, I can't not applaud this performance. And yeah, I'm saying it. I'm saying I'm applauding five star The Miz. <laughs> Walter, of course, it's best bout machine Walter over here. I feel like it's really difficult to not call him a wrestler of the year. Like, yeah, there's some really strong contenders this year, but I feel like Walter has been so consistent every single time. Like, he is delivering, and it feels like he is the guy in terms of, like, once he drops this belt, he can jump to the main event and become... He's, he is a main eventer already made just because of the sheer amount of momentum he's been able to have in uh, this area of the card. Uh, but yes, another belter from Walter. Who could have seen it coming? Uh, I, I mean, I guess, after complimenting The Miz... There's only one way to go from here. Am I maverick enough of a writer slash podcaster to convince you to check out an R-Truth angle on the brink of 2024? <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, I am. Judgment Day and R-Truth. So, key ingredient number one. Truth has a talent for fully breaking priests, and we know how much fans really enjoy a segment where they break just as Tracy Morgan said in 30 Rock. <laughs> so, number two, the unique vibe of a heel group knowing they shouldn't like and embrace and act like Truth, but but they do. They, they, they do like him, though. <laughs> they shouldn't. They should hate this guy. They should want to beat the crap out of him, but but, but they do actually like him. <laughs> Similar vibes-ish to the Sami Zayn stuff, but this feels a lot more stuck in the comedy era, which is really what the Sami Zayn angle was meant to be anyway in the first place. So it feels a bit like they're running the Sami Zayn angle that was originally for the bloodline when Vince was in charge and actually running it competently here with the archery stuff. But they, they also they can't ignore the fact that they like him in the group more than somebody else. And that's point number three. Truth versus JD McDonough. A miracle on 34th Street Fight. Loser leaves the Judgment Day. And also when I was writing my notes, like I've, I've written McDonough so many times that I generally forgot how to spell McDonough. <laughs> I was like... Is it just donut without a T? <laughs> I generally completely forgot how to spell it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, bits are dangerous, guys. Be careful. Beware of bits. Uh, this this match was just a bit of fun. Uh, ton of crake. Like candy canes, fire extinguishers, tables. Uh, the finish being JD accidentally pulling Truth off the top rope through the table with him, causing his own pinfall as he fell backwards onto the table and Truth just like out of it on top of him. Truth winning in comedic fashion. But with the caveat that J that means that JD is out of the Judgment Day. Fast forward and uh, the da Damien Priest is kind of going with it a little bit before Rhea interferes and it's just like, oh, then Damien kind of changes his tune. It's like, no, of course you're not. Our truth is one who put forward a stipulation and he's not in the group. <laughs> but he puts that little inkling there. Like There's been that whole thing of Damien Priest not really liking JD McDonough being in the group and he's slowly been convinced that he should be in the group, compared to Truth, where they created that vibe, maybe accidentally with the breaks or whatever, that Damien Priest actually does like this guy, even though he's, he, knows, he knows he shouldn't. He knows he shouldn't. This guy isn't part of the cool goth tribe. <laughs> Why is he in there? But but he does like him. <laughs> and that's where the... Uh, kind of, it's interesting that the rest of the group then isn't as much of a fan of our Truth, 
when David Priest actually likes this guy and David Priest still doesn't like uh, JD McDonough. So maybe that's like a nice little setup for when Priest finally wins and actually does become the leader. Because there's still that little pull of he's not the leader of this group. And Ray Ripley is still the one acting as that, just reassured, just bringing the tension down and playing that role of Mammy, <laughs> essentially, when things get heated. She's not the leader, but she will keep everybody in check. But what happens when David Priest becomes champion, that all goes to his head a bit. He, he gets into that power and the dynamics within the group actually shift. I mean, that's if we're going to do that. There's, there's so many different routes you can go with this group. And I've said that for a little while now. It was, it was when I was talking about it going into Survivor Series. Like they've set up so many things that they can take any of these different routes. Uh, speaking of stuff setting up nicely, Shinsuke Nakamura's The American Nightmare Before Christmas, which I can't believe no one else has done. <laughs> they didn't even do it in AW, which is like, really? It's blatantly there. Uh, a delightful Christmas tale that just randomly throws in your pa was in bread. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Uh, Cody attacking and brawling the fight out into the arena. A building to a crossroads through the announce table, but good security actually stops a thing from happening for once. Xmas bonus to you. <laughs> well done, security. Uh, but that, of course, means that we don't get the thing that we want, which means we are going to we're going to see Shinsuke Nakamura put through an announce table, but not quite yet. Not quite yet. We're having that prolonged. Cody's got to get to the Royal Rumble through a program somehow. He's got to have just something <laughs> to do for this like month, over month long period still left. So is that. Anyway, I just realised, have I been alternating between Iowa and Idaho? <laughs> uh, Iowa hometown man, Seth Rollins. They're the same thing, right? It's Christmas Town. Everyone knows that. Yeah, <laughs> It's always been Christmas Town. Uh, yeah, Iowa hometown man, Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre's promo. This was massively being talked about the very next day. One of the bigger talking points. The Book of Hangman being quoted on the regular by old Setherton. Uh, I don't hate you. Pity you, he says to Drew McIntyre. The aftermath of Drew and Seth being both on the same Adam page about punk. So nice to watch Raw and have things that happen have effects. Like, I, I, said, I said I need to stop commenting on the Vince era, but you just feel it here. A thing happened last week. There's effects to it this week. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's good. Uh, Drew getting very real, talking about missing family through sacrificing that time to chase the WWE dream. Really relating to Seth ahead of their match on day one. Seth replies with some hard truth about Drew's actions not matching his words. Just being really honest that he doesn't know how he's meant to feel about Drew right now. Like he says one thing and he says things like this so you understand his motivations. But then when he's in the ring, he's cheating, he's doing whatever it takes to take to get the win. He's being like over the top with uh, the, his violence within the matches. And this ignites into a brawl and the Scot unleashes his tartan fury on Seth Rollins. Yeah, to kind of feed into what Seth was saying. Like, your words are one thing, but you're not... Your actions are not matching your words. You're not controlling your anger in these situations. You're letting it get to you. Yeah. But, Drew McIntyre could say, he's using that to ignite his fury in the matches, and that's the edge that he was missing the last time that he faced Seth. This time, he, is, he has not got any remorse. And I feel like this was like the character beat, which was just, just putting that right in there. Like, this is solidified now. He's been building up to him not having that remorse or empathy when he goes to fight Seth Rollins because that's the thing that cost him in the first place. But he's been doing it in other matches against other people. Here, he directly showed it. Though he was not holding back in that attack on Seth Rollins, meaning that his character has reached that part now. You've seen him do it outside of a match. 
what happens when they are in the match itself. When we get to the same situation or like pacing part of the match that we did in Saudi Arabia, where Drew McIntyre for a split second had the empathy for the champion and didn't hit that murderous killing blow. We've been told now that Drew McIntyre is in a character state where he will not hesitate like he did. So what happens this time? Oh, lovely character set of consequences. Oh, yeah. <laughs> isn't it lovely? Uh, finally, an exciting tag title match between Judgment Day and the Creed Brothers in the main event. Really the main thing to note was, uh, I mean, again, Priest, uh, Creed Brothers getting a massive showing, but Priest getting clobbered via a dive to the outside catching him, and then all of the weight was landed on his noggin off the Brutus ball. Like, then to add to it, the, the, the Creed then kicked out of Priest's south of heaven finish at three. Damien was not a happy man. <laughs> he, uh, he was obviously doing celebration things, but it's like holding his head because he's had a massive man just land on it, and then that same man kicked out of his finish, either not really, just not being aware for a second or whatever. So yeah, yeah, he was not happy, he was not happy. But other than that, exciting main event tag match, which you can't come to expect on the Judgment Day with all sorts of opponents, but Creed Brothers are a really strong rookie team. Like, I don't mean, I mean obviously literally they are strong, <laughs> but I mean that in terms of uh, the way that they are wrestling, they are getting so much momentum behind them, and booking's there too, but their performances are matching the booking. So well done, well done. Anyway, that's Monday Night Raw. I've praised the Miz and our truth here on the Social Suplex Network. Deal with it. <laughs> Let's go to the NXT deadline. <laughs> that's my Christmas. That's my last note before Christmas. The week of Christmas. I, I applaud both the Miz and our truth and sayonara. <laughs> Off I piss. With that, let's move on to NXT. He wanted to face the man who was the measuring stick, and it's Dragunov, who's showing you that will right now, that determination, that perseverance, which has made him the NXT champion, and just getting dropped almost in a modified brain buster by Ridge Holland, as Ridge Holland now, both has been, so much has been taken out of both these superstars in this main event matchup. Talk about heavy hitting. Holland going into the cover, realizing that. Vidge Holland, up from Yorkshire, challenging Ilya Dragunov. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was a very controversial injury angle, uh, yeah, controversially at least, given what it was playing off of. So we had ourselves a pretty standard modern NXT main event. Vidge Holland coming out earlier, challenging Ilya, saying he's in NXT to find himself. And then it takes us in, and Ilya accepts as the NXT fighting champion that he is. Um, but there was a spot in the match where Ridge caught Dragunov and holding him in what, like, with his head trapped under him, like he's either going to, like, maybe suplex him up, but Ilya keeps fighting back. And in the end, Ridge just falls onto his back, putting Dragunov there, dropping his head into a DDT. And that led us into one of the slowest ref reactions to an injury angle I feel like I've seen, where Dragunov was just down, kind of, like, holding his arm still, playing that thing of something's wrong, making a ah, noise like something's wrong. The referee kind of hovers over him and just talks quietly to him for a bit too long. <laughs> As in, if something's wrong, if you're trying to convince me that something's wrong, the ref doesn't wait like he does here talking to him for like 20 seconds. It felt like longer, but that's just because when, it, when in the post slow slows like this, like I get what they were doing, that they were purposefully just slowing it down. Like they wanted the tone to shift with everything going quiet. But, you know, that obviously just played off as a bit odd because we know when there is a legit injury, that doesn't happen. <laughs> That's not a thing. If the referee hovers over Ilya and he's injured like this, in reality, be very quick to call for the, the assistance. But this is all to be like within world or at least letting you know that this is part of an angle, this isn't reality. As in they haven't done the X stuff, they didn't do any of that. 
He's had the referee hover over him for ages and then come over. But I feel like in terms of like the, doing this as an idea, you can't ignore the fact that they're doing an injury angle based off of the very real situation with Big E. And yeah, fair to say, not everyone took to this piece of writing slash booking. <laughs> it wasn't really to everyone's cup of tea. Like, I'm, I'm perfectly, I'm all there for blowing the lines with like the reality of you, you're folding reality back into fiction. Like, I really, really like that side of wrestling. But with this, you've also got to choose when to do it. And I kind of feel like not only was this one maybe not right, just because the fans have such an emotional attachment to Big E and his injury was a big deal and it is still felt, uh, to play this off of that, it's like, uh, it may be a bad move in terms of how the actual fan base is still feeling about this situation. However, also, if you're going to do it, at least do it well. <laughs> and I think that's the other part of this, is it just feels a bit awkward and odd. Which, it, it's, this is, if you're going to do this, at least you're not doing it on Raw or SmackDown. At least you're doing it here. But you're still doing it on live TV. And it is, like, yeah. Because I've seen, obviously, some people call it just a bit tasteless or just a bit, oh, they're going after that worst tactic, worst promotional tactic, right at the death. <laughs> right at the death and going for that award. Uh, it's just like, yeah, it's... It's not. It's not great. <laughs> it's not great. I mean, my, my main takeaway is it w was wasn't done well, which is the other thing. Like, are you, are you trying to convince me this is legit or not? And I, the vibe I got was they're doing the angle, but they're not trying to convince me it was legitimate. Which then kind of means, well, why are you spending so much serious time on it? Everybody goes quiet. There is no commentary. Everything kind of stops dead. As in, it can It's in a way, it's overproduction by do by purposely switching off all of the production. It then reverts back into, well, that's too much of a production on this moment. <laughs> Again, in reality, the commentary would be trying to scramble to just say something or fill in the blanks or something. But because you want everything to slow down and just go quiet, it, 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 as, what I mean is this is an active production choice to do this. And I just don't quite think it's the right way. If you go to do this angle, I don't think I would have just slowed everything down so that you're heightening the awkwardness of the moment on purpose. It's a decision they've made. They want it to feel this way. Uh, I don't really think that really matches with what you go for. We'll see what they do next week. Because <laughs> obviously, Ilya's going to be back. He's going to be defending at New Year's Evil. But it was a, I, d I don't know why they did this angle when Ridge Holland isn't going to be the main focus. you got Trick coming up. <laughs> it's an interesting one. Why would you... When I say interesting, I don't mean, like, what I've seen on TV. I mean the production reasons for doing it. Like, why have you done this? <laughs> also, it's NXT. Well, I've not figured out if I'm meant to be taking this kind of analysis at this kind of analytical level yet. I don't know how far I'm meant to be caring about and digging into it, because it is, like, everybody is in development on this show. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about it. I feel like... Well, I feel like my views on it are... Production-wise, if you're going to do it, I wouldn't have made those production decisions because it puts the focus on how awkward and kind of odd the emotions are that you're actually doing this. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Tiffany Stratton. I just want to say uh, the match itself wasn't massive; it was just like a, a surprise roll-up kind of affair. But she feels like the most ready act in this place. I'd even put her over Carmelo in terms of folk grand for the call-up. Like we've reached that stage now where the first era of talent from the from the new NXT revamp. They are now ready to filter through onto the main roster. Again, like Carmelo, Bron Baker, Tiffany Stratton, there is a kind of little flow of people that are now in that position to go up. Uh, also, we had the kind of 
if we're looking at it as if Carmelo goes up, who is the next kind of babyface guy of the similar kind of card placement? And it, it's trick. It screams trick. As in that guy who could go after the North American title for proper this time. For proper. His previous reign where he held it for like a, a day or a week. Like, whatever. <laughs> like an actual proper reign. Or he can use this NXT title match to like properly become a, t- a top guy. But he feels like he is the guy in terms of like the fan reaction to him to replace the spot Carmelo's got. And I don't mean it just because they're within the same act for them to be like, oh, it makes sense for him to replace Carmelo. It's like, no, in terms of like the fan reception for the kind of act he is, there will be a gap left and he's more than filling it. And the best part about it is he's doing it in a different way. And I feel like these, these past few months, building him up as his own character have really, really helped that. Uh, it feels like he is ready to take up that slot and with Carmelo ready to go to the main roster, like there's a, there'll be a main event slot open and he, Trick is so over. <laughs> feels like he's so over in a way that Carmelo was was never that over. But that's, I don't know if that's more because Carmelo, he's always had that ooze of heel charisma to him so you got attracted to him for a completely different reason than you do Trick. You can't help but get behind Trick where you can't help but appreciate the talent of Carmelo. But they're, t- they're two different vibes. Uh, yeah, applause, applause. Anyway, he didn't do a lot. I was just walking about and talking this week, but <laughs> I want to make note of it. Uh, the men's breakout tournament began, and if you remember my notes on the women's breakout tournament, I still feel a bit weird about this being on national television when you're purposely putting people on TV who aren't ready for TV. It's the not-ready-for-TV tournament. <laughs> uh, Lexis King is what he is, and is therefore what, and him being in this tournament as like the only massive name means he's immediately a favourite to win it. Or maybe he's in there to purposefully lose. Because is his character is that he's just a bit shit <laughs> uh, and I know what you're saying I hear you finally a lawyer gimmick wrestling in his slacks it's finally here guys you can stop asking me about it he lost but like but if his finisher isn't called filing in motion then what are we even doing here <laughs> what are we even doing you only have, you only have one chance with a lawyer gimmick <laughs> use those puns uh, Taven Heights won the NXT NEM James Generator in working in overdrive there. Like He won via a genuinely impressive spinning belly-to-belly using the momentum bouncing off the ropes. As in, he bounced off the ropes into his opponent and then jumped and span with the belly-to-belly. Uh, yeah, when I say using momentum bouncing off the ropes, I mean, like, wrestling! <laughs> using wrestling momentum logic, not actual real-life momentum logic. <laughs> to propel him into that. Uh, I feel like that's, that's everything we need to talk about in NXT. It's a controversial main event. The men's breakout tournament is in the beginning stages, so we get introduced to all these guys and these weird NXT-generated names. But really, the main talk point was Ridge Holland. And it's, it's an angle that I, a, I probably wouldn't have done anyway, but if you're going to do it, they made the wrong production choices in doing it. Because, it, again, it just put that focus on the awkward sensation of what they were doing. Uh, by the way, they just like put, turned everything down, and just so you could just focus on this one injury bit, and the entire time you're then in your thoughts, being like, so they're, they're redoing the Big E thing, and that makes you just remember your attachment to Big E, and then it's like, well, why are they doing it? It's like, yeah, it's, it's an odd choice, odd production choices, with an odd choice to do the thing in the first place. Uh, yeah, call up Tiffany Stratton at the Rumble. <laughs> That's my takeaway from my next day. That's my positive takeaway. If I'm, if I'm leave, if my other note was to positively talk about the Miz and our truth <laughs> in the final stuff. Let's positively talk um, about NXT and say that Tiffany Stratton in the mumble, please. Uh, anyway, 
thank you for listening, liking, engaging in any form, any manner. Always appreciate it. Never take it for granted. You can help the podcast out by giving a five-star review. You can also give a donation directly to Imp through Red Circle. Don't know why I did that in third person. Uh, also, the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Please do check out the other shows here. Uh, One Nation Radio with Rich and James. All Things Elite with Floyd. Wrestling Art with Chris Things and Chris Things. Uh, this week with James Van Der Beek as a guest. Uh, Keeping It Strong Style, Jeremy Donovan and young boy Joshua Smith. There is a bonus episode that came out yesterday talking about... Sorry, I say talking about... I was going to say talking about ELP and Hikileo. But that's because they had ELP and Hikileo on the show, in person, talking about themselves in an interview. <laughs> what a super weird way to plug that in complete wrong order. But there you go. I've done it. I've done the plug. And with that, I say thank you. I bid you adieu. Adios. And DP, I know you didn't mean it when you said you didn't like me. I saw it in your eyes. <laughs>